Hi, this is Jessica McCoy with Calvary Christian Center. Thank you so much for listening. We pray that this message encourages and inspires you to be everything God has created you to be. We hope you enjoyed this message. This is what God's Word says, starting in verse 30 down to 42. This is what the Word of the Lord would say. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things that they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going that they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place by boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing and many knew uh, many knew that and ran there on foot from all the cities and they arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw the multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. And so he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place. And already the hour is late. Send them away that they might go into the surrounding country, into the villages to buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered them and said, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. And then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in ranks in hundreds and fifties. And when he took the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven. Oh, hallelujah. And he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples to set before them. And two fish he divided among them all. Watch this last verse. And they all ate and they all were filled. The Lord brought me by to tell you that our vision statement says, live the life. But how many know you can't live what you don't have? So the Lord said, before I can tell you to live a life, he told me to preach a message called get a life. Because you can't live what you don't got. So just look at two people before you're seated and before I pray and say, get a life. Come on, be nice when you do it. Be nice when you do it. Tell them, say, get a life, get a life, get a life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for what I feel. I sense the anointing. Lord, do what only you can do and say only what you can say, and I'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen. And as you're seated, just look at one more person. Say, get a life, get a, get a life, get a life, get a life. If you know Pastor Josh on any level, you'll know that I am a learner. I love to learn because I am a leader and all leaders know that leaders must be learners. You cannot take people past what you know and you cannot take people past where you've been. All leaders must learn because if you're going to take somewhere new, you will only stop at the level you have learned and completed. You must be a learner and sometimes being a learner means that you've got to add new colors to your coat. Sometimes you got to you got to be the kind of person that gets outside of what you know and learns something new because every time you learn something new you've opened up an avenue for God to do something through you that he couldn't previously have done before. Say good leaders are learners. And so I made up my mind to learn something new, something outside of sports. Amen. 
something outside of, you know, you got the KJV and the NKJV. I got the ESPN. And I, and I decided, I'm going to read something I've never read before. And I decided, I went on to it, and, and I started reading an article on art. That's right. Some of y'all just look shocked. So all six foot five of me, yeah, all that. I, I said that, and I started to read this article on art and, and painting and, and what artists do. And the article was about the power of contrast. The good artists, when they're getting ready to make a masterpiece, all great artists do one significant thing. They know how to create contrast within the piece. Because if there is contrast, watch this, there can be clarity. Without the contrast, without the drama of the contrast, you can never see it for what it ought to be and see it for what it should become. And images get blurry and things are indistinguishable. But, but contrast gives definition. And if there's definition, there can be function. Isn't it amazing how when God shows up in your life and when God makes his entrance, the first thing he does in your life is create contrast. Isn't it amazing how before God, the, the waters get muddy and there's mixture and it's hard to see what goes where and who belongs where and what I ought to be doing and what I ought to be saying and who I ought to be connecting to. But isn't it amazing when God shows up in your life and he comes in, the first thing he does is creates contrast. The kind of contrast that will tell them that they go there and you go there. The kind of contrast that says they weren't as good as what you thought they were going to be to you. The, the kind, see, so no, you talk to me. The kind of contrast that says you thought that job was the job, but that job wasn't the job because I know how to create contrast. Because I have a life for you, and you have a life that you think you need. But if I'm going to show you the life you're called to have, I've got to have contrast. It's contrast that lets you know the right relationships and the right marriage. It's contrast that lets you see things for what they really are. Because if some of us were to be honest, we have so much confusion because we won't let God create contrast. Confusion exists in places you don't give God the ability to create contrast. That's why the Bible says that when he found the Genesis 1 world, the Bible says that that world was low, dark, lonely. Darkness was on the face of the deep. It was void, craziness, and confusion. And when God stepped out to show off who he was, the first thing he did was not throw a bird in the sky or a beast in the field. He said, let there be light. What was he doing? He was creating contrast. He was stepping into the, into the opportunity to let you know that what this is isn't all it can be and all it should be because the, the tragedy in the world today is that most of us have potential, but we can't see potential and we can't fulfill purpose until we let God create contrast. We got to let God create contrast. Contrast is what allows it to be a masterpiece. Contrast is what lets your world become what it ought to be. When's the last time you let God create contrast? And see, some of us don't even understand, but contrast, when it shows up, looks like conflict. Some of us want God to do something big. God, get in it. God, get in it. And God gets in it, and he creates contrast. And all of a sudden, it seems like things get divided. And it seems like what was friends becomes disconnected. What was together has been separated. And that's what God does is he creates a contrast. But this is what I know. If God separated it, I didn't need it. Oh. 
Oh, if God removed it, it's not part of what I needed. And every once in a while, if I'm going to let God create a life, because isn't that what creation is? Creation is bringing to life. If I want God to bring to life my life, I'm going to have to let him create contrast. Are you robbing yourself of clarity because you won't let God create contrast? Are, are, are you depriving yourself of destiny because God can't create contracts? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And God said, let there be contrast. Contrast, when it comes, seems like conflict, but watch this. It looks like separation. Some of you say, God, get in it. And God got in it, and then he started separating everything. See how quiet it is? I got everybody thinking right there on that one. Because you said, God, I, I came to you, and you thought God was going to bless you. But sometimes the blessing of the Lord is not, it's not what he adds, it's in what he removes. Sometimes the blessing of the Lord is not what he puts in your hands, it's what he takes out. Sometimes it's what he says, no, that can't be there. And some of us aren't praising God like we ought to be really praising God because we only praise God when God gives us something. But some of us, if you were really mature, you'd praise God even when God takes something because the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. But blessed be the name of the Lord. I dare you to take about five seconds and just praise God for everything he took that you didn't need. Everything that he removed that wasn't for you. That every time he stepped up and he created some contrast. Contrast that lets you be free. Contrast that lets you praise him and have peace and have joy and have everything you need. Somebody praise him for the contrast. That's the praise that takes you into new dimensions. It's when you can thank God for what left, even when you thought you needed it. Because when God shows up in your life and really starts to do something significant, the first work is contrast. And that contrast looks like separation. Well, how do you know that, Pastor Josh? Because the minute he said, let there be light, he started to reorder the world. In other words, he started putting everything in the right place at the right time. Don't miss it. I said he put everything in the right place at the right time. God does not work at the right time. He also puts it in the right place. He wasn't putting seals and whales up in trees. He put it in the right place at the right time. And if God is mindful of a whale, certainly he's mindful of your life. That at the right time, in the right place. God knows how to bless you in the right way because he's trying to create a life for you that gets to them by which he gets all the glory. He said, I'm going to create a life and I'm going to work. And when I start working, it's going to come across like contrast and it's going to look like separation. He said, but please, no, please, no. I'm going to start doing separation. The only reason I did separation is because next in the process is addition. Let, 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 me, let me tell y'all why some of y'all can't, can't clap there. Because you're still okay with being dysfunctional. You are too okay with your chaos being normal. You are, too, you are still too good with there being that much drama. 
In fact, some of you have resigned your entire life to a life full of drama because you look around at your neighbors and your mama and your daddy and you say, well, if they did it, then I guess I got to do it too. And you've just gotten real comfortable in a less than life. You've gotten real comfortable and being okay with stuff going wrong and with your kids not being right. Y'all ain't saying nothing with your body being sick and your mind being messed up. You've gotten too comfortable and with people talking about you and you talking about them back. You've gotten too comfortable with the drama on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. You got too comfortable with divorce. You've gotten too comfortable. Isn't that what's wrong with the nation right now? We've gotten too okay with stuff going wrong. Stuff that's wrong has gotten too normal in the nation. But there's got to be a people that stand up and say enough is enough is enough is enough. That's why the Bible said come out from among them and be ye separated. Because when you're separate, I can do something with you. When I can pull you out, I can make a difference with you. Because when the kingdom comes, the kingdom knows how to make a difference and I feel like telling somebody and I feel like telling every principality here comes the kingdom here comes the kingdom not by might or by power but by the spirit of the living God the kingdom is coming well what's in the kingdom righteousness joy and peace in the Holy Ghost God is about to create a contrast so he can give you a life What if I told you that all the contrast, all the contrast is there, all the separation is there, is to finally give you what you've only been looking for? Some of you are looking for stuff that you're only going to find when you give God room to remove some things. Some of you are only going to be happy, and you're only going to find joy, and you're only going to find, I'm preaching better than y'all letting on. Uh, some of you are only going to find the stuff you really need in which you let God separate you, separate, let God pull it. God, God, I give you permission. I feel this in my spirit. Pull it away. God, let me, let me get away from it. God, separate me from it. If it means I get something better, ah, remove me from it. Separation for the purpose of addition. I cannot add to you in your chaos. Why would I bless you if, you, if I know you'll never see it? That's why, the, can I go deep for a minute? This ain't in my notes. Do you realize that that's why the enemy works so well in mixture? The enemy wants everything to be mixed up and muddied up. Because without it, you can't see what God is really doing in your life. You ever notice people who live disciplined lives and coordinated lives and people who, people who are, are, are honest about where they are and they let the Holy Spirit direct their steps, those people always see blessings. Oh, they always see a blessing. And somebody else may look at it and go, well, that was just that. And somebody else will go, that's a blessing. Why? Because my life is ordered enough that my blessing didn't get caught up in the mixture you don't know how much you want to. You want to know how much God hates mixture. Do you realize that at the end of the book He says, "I'd rather you be hot or cold." He said because lukewarm, which is mixture. He said, I can't stomach the mixture. Y'all ain't saying nothing. So I need you to go to one side or the other because I can work with that. I can bless that. I can move in that. I can show you something in that. But you got to be cool. So I will not bless you as long as you're cool with being in chaos. As long as you are okay with where you've been and the life you've been living, I cannot take you into the life I have as long as you're cool. We're being in the middle. 
So only when you give me the permission to separate you can I add to you. The original earth was all separation. Land here, water here, that there, this there. Ordering and separating order. Because that's what order looks like sometimes. Separation and order go hand in hand. He starts separating. And then watch what he does. He said, now that I've got it separated, watch me bless it. Putting stuff in there that nobody even knew could be put in there. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Blessing it in a way that that world had never seen. And that is what happens with your life. Once you get your life in order, once you let God separate you, all of a sudden, please know, God will bless you in ways you will have reference points for. God will bless you in ways you ain't never seen before. God will drop some stuff in your lap that will blow your mind because God knows how to bless you outside of your own thinking because God has a plan for your life. Am I helping anybody today? I'm trying to tell you how to live a life. I'm trying to tell you that, that, that maybe you're not living on the level you ought to be living. Because the truth is in this, if you read the Bible, is he starts with separation and he moves into addition, but he culminates a lived life, watch this, through rest. Because on the seventh day, You, you, you want to know how I know you're really living? I know you're living when you're resting. If you're not resting, you're not living. Because the apex, oh, I'm helping somebody in this room today. The apex of a walk with God, a life God lives, is, is not a life of worry and chaos and anxiety and fear. When God gets in your life and you let him separate and you let him add what he needs to add, you're going to be able to lay your head down at night and sleep for eight hours without taking all that medicine and having all that worry and having all that fear. And I came to tell somebody, God is about to take you into a season of real rest. You're about to rest for the first time in a long time. Some of you, all you've been thinking about is your kids. You've been thinking about the mess, your marriage, the job. But let me tell you, when you let God order your steps and take away what he needs to take and give what he needs to give, by the end of the baby, you're going to be sitting back going. Because that's what rest looks like. Rest ain't complaining. Rest ain't worrying. Rest ain't talking about other people. Rest ain't gossiping. Rest ain't all that other junk. Let me tell you what real rest does. Real rest serves people and loves people and comes to church and says, what can I do? Real rest gets in a small group. Real rest will stand out in the parking lot and wave at everybody. Real rest stands at the door and greets everybody. Real rest goes to the Cracker Barrel and leaves a good tip because all you want to do is show somebody that if you got rest, they can have rest too. I came to tell somebody this morning, it's time for you to rest again. On the seventh day, he, the apex of living a life is when you can sit down and move into rest. This is the process God works through. In the very beginning, God said, if, I, if you want to show how I create, because you can't separate creating and living. Wow. To create means to bring to life. Even if it's an idea, that's what creation is. And so what God is really saying in Genesis 1 is, I know you're looking at the world, but let me tell you about yours that I will do it. This is how I'm going to do it in every way possible. I am going to separate, then I'm going to add, and then you are going to rest. 
And I know what some of you are saying, Pastor Josh, thank you for the lesson in Genesis, but didn't you read out of Mark? <laughs> I did. I did. But the principle in Genesis is the same principle in Mark. Separation, addition, and rest. Well, how do you know that? Because before he did the miracle, the Bible says, and he led them out. Oh, he led them out. He, don't miss it. He led them out because that's where separation begins, when he can lead you out. And there's some people in this room that can testify of the day he led you out. You can prophesy to somebody else that God can do it for them because he let him lead you out. Some of us were stuck in some stuff, some like addiction, some pain, some tragedy. But aren't you thankful for a God that even when it's dark and you can't navigate the waters of where you are and you can't see how to get out and you don't know the way out his hand will reach down in your mess and he will lead me out and I've got the praise I wish I had somebody that would take about 10 seconds and give God some praise for the day he led you out oh come on you got eight seconds you'd still be addicted you'd still be in a mess you couldn't find your way out but he led you out with his unchanging hand somebody who's been set free ought to give god some praise right now for the day he That's what it looked like. You couldn't have gotten yourself out. In fact, if he didn't come, you'd still be stuck in it today. You'd still be a mess today. You wouldn't be thinking right. You wouldn't be living right. Everything would be crazy and in confusion. But aren't you thankful that when your hand couldn't find his, his hand found yours. And and he led me out. He led me past people's opinions. He led me past people what people said. He led me out of generational curses. He led me out and he separated me. He separated me. I know it's old school, but we call separation sanctification. Old school preacher, but you still got to be sanctified. Set apart. God never designed you to live a life where you live in chaos. So I will grab you and I will lead you. Ooh. If there's anybody I want leading me, y'all ain't saying nothing. If there is anybody I want showing me the way to the next level, the way to the next level, I got to have him because he is not just the author of my faith. Oh, I feel like preaching. Hey, he's not just the author of my faith. He is the author and the finisher of my faith and my life. God wants you to live a life so you can finish your life right. He led them out. Can I go deeper? He didn't just lead them out. John 6 says that he led them up. Because you always know who's really got your hand by where they take you once they got it. You, you, you always know who, who's really got your hand by the direction you go once you put your hand in their hand. And, and, uh, it's not that they can get me out. It's where they take me once I'm out. Y'all ain't saying nothing. It, it's, some of us came out of a bad relationship and we got into another relationship and we don't find ourselves going up. We find ourselves going down. But this is what I know about God. When God gets a hold of your life and takes your hand and he separates you, baby, he has no intention of taking you down or taking you back. 
back. God only wants to take you forward and he only wants to take you higher. And somebody should go ahead and praise God now because you're on the rise. Oh, y'all missed what I just told you. I said, you're on the rise. Why? Because he's got your hand and he's leading you out. When we talk about living the life, we're talking about a life that has you going into dimensions you've never been before. Because watch this. They are in, by going up, they are in the same space, but they're on a different level. Isn't that amazing how God will do that? You'll be in the same job but you'll have more joy. Same family, more peace. Same year, better finances. Y'all ain't saying nothing, y'all ain't getting it. Y'all ain't getting it. You'll be in the same space, but you'll be on another level because when God gets you, he doesn't just take you out, he takes you up. That's why, that's why they had been to Jerusalem before, but to get the next level, he didn't tell them to go to a lower room. They had to go to an upper room because sometimes it's the same space, but it's a different dimension. And I feel like I'm talking to somebody who nothing changed in your space, but get ready, baby, because the rocket is on. Oh, hallelujah. T minus five, four, three, two, one. And you're about to launch into another dimension. God said, let me separate. That's the process to live a life. Separation. Are you cool with me separating you? And the Bible says he separated them. And when he separated them, he called them higher. Why would he call them higher? To make sure they get the right perspective. Because there's some things you can't see while you're still in it. There's some things in your life you're not seeing right because you're still standing on its level. That's why in the kingdom, the Bible says we are seated in heavenly places so that we can get God's mind. I'm preaching better y'all letting on this morning. God's mind and God's perspective. And when I see like God, I think like God. And when I think like God, I act like God. I brought you up here because I'm about to do a miracle that's going to give you life. Don't miss the miracle. This is the only miracle that is in all four Gospels. If, 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 if a miracle is in all four Gospels, that means the that the application is universal, which means that there is something in this miracle for everybody, no matter where you're at. But the distinction of the miracle is this. Can I go real deep? Grab your snorkel and your floaties. Let's go deep for a minute. Let me tell you the real distinction of the miracle. The real distinction of this miracle is that it is creative. Most, if not, if not the majority of Jesus' miracles were restorative miracles. He was always putting something back. Sight recovered. Lame walk. Life coming back into somebody. But there are two miracles that he does that are creative. This one, which is bread, and the first one, which was wine. Don't miss it. Bread and wine. Bread and wine. Wait a second, these two creative miracles are communion. Because you get a life through creation, but you sustain that life through communion. Y'all, y'all ain't hear me. 
That's why you got to keep coming to church and you got to keep praying and you got to keep reading your Bible because God will give you a life. But the way you sustain the life that God gives is so that is, is in a way of saying, I'm going to still do it. I'm going to walk with you, pray. I'm going to, I'm going to, oh, hallelujah. I'm going to worship. I'm going to give you everything I've got. Why? Because in the communion, I will find the life I need even when this life takes life out. He said, this is a miracle, watch this, of not crisis, this is a miracle of Christness. I'm going to use this miracle to show you something about me. And every once in a while, the miracle isn't about you. The miracle is about a revelation of him. Because you always live better when you see him better. Helping you. I know it's like a machine gun this morning, but, but, but you always live better when you see him better. Everything you need to live right is when you behold him and not it. The reason why some of us aren't getting the life we need, we're looking all the wrong places. How do you know that? It's because when they approached him, the Bible says he was concerned and had compassion because he said, you look like sheep without a shepherd. He said, you look like you've been going everywhere else for an answer except to the thing that had it. And you can't live a life trying to get answers from everybody and everything else that doesn't have what he has. He said, I looked at you and you looked tired and you looked weary and you looked malnourished because you were trying to get fed by something that could never really feed you. Because point number two is, you can't live a life outside of him. I'm almost done. Because all of a sudden they come to him and he says, you are not living like you ought to be living. You are malnourished. And somebody in this room walked in this room today and you struggled to lift your hands and you struggled to worship. I'm in it right now. You see, you see how quiet it is? I'm in it. You struggled. You struggled. You saw everybody else jumping and thought, why can't I jump? And it's simply because you do not have the energy because you are being fed by limited resources. You are being fed by stuff that is fleeting, mm -hmm. empty calories by what they say and what they're doing, and only God can be your good shepherd. And his compassion, you can play soft, his compassion had pulled them to him and him to them. He had separated them he had sold them and his disciples said tell him to go somewhere else but Jesus no they had already been everywhere else and couldn't find what they were looking for they had been looking for life in all the wrong places and he told them and Matthew they need not depart and let me tell you something, Calvary. We live the kind of life where we will never point other people to any other place but the presence of the Lord. We are the kind of people that said, if you want to find life, come with me to church. If, if you want to find life, come with me to small group. If you want to find life, serve with me this week. I know a place that has life.
and he brought him to himself and he's about to feed him about to reveal himself and in the book of John the same miracle he turned to Philip and he said Philip 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 now now that's not a name you hear too often in scripture you don't hear Philip. you Peter yeah James yeah Andrew yeah but I feel bad for some of them boys they didn't get no FaceTime in the Bible Poor Thaddeus, he didn't get nothing. Bartholomew, none of them. I thought it was odd in John when he turned to Philip. Until you realize Philip's the accountant. He knows what they have. And he says, Philip, can we feed him? And Philip looks and says, Jesus, I don't think we have enough. Because point number three, if you're going to live a life, is you have to come to the place where you realize you are not enough. No, 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 don't miss it. Don't miss it because some of you, the reason why you're so tired, there's a different anointing in here than there was in the first service. Some of you are so weary because you think you've got to do it all. You think you've got to fulfill it all by yourself. Feed them all by yourself. Philip, 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 what do we got? What do we have? Do we have anything? Well, we do have something. What do we have? 200 denarii. Well, how many does 200 denarii feel? It, feed, it feeds 2,000. The problem is there's 5,000 men, not including women and children. In other words, in Philip's world, everybody would have got a meal, but nobody would have ate enough. And you know you're living on a less than level when everybody's eating, but nobody's getting the best. Can I be real? It's when you're a parent and your kids aren't getting the best you because you're too tired and you're too weary. You're too dry. You're living less than. You're living less than when, you're, when your job gets the, gets the worst you, the, the least of you, not the best of you. you. You know you're operating less than when everything in your world is not getting the best you. Everybody's getting a meal. Nobody's getting the best meal. You're doing ministry, and nobody's getting the best ministry you can give because you're operating in the red. You're operating down in a tired place because there's a difference between tired and empty. You can fix tired with a vacation. You can't fix empty without being filled. And it's hard to live a life when you live on empty. Come on, somebody. I feel the anointing. It's hard to live this life when you're constantly on E. And that's what he wanted Philip to recognize is, Philip, it's okay to not be enough. Oh, I'm going to set you free. I just felt it right there. I'm going to set you free because some of you need to forgive yourself for not being enough. You need to forgive yourself for not always being there and, not, and you're trying and you're saying, I must, I'm failing, I'm failing. But let me tell you, the goal was that you would never be enough because how can he be more than enough if you're always trying to be more than enough? God needs your not enough because it's in your not enough that his more than enough is released because your purpose will always require his participation. There's ought to always be a place in your life where you say, God, I'm out. And God says, good, because now that you're out, tag me, I'm in. And when God gets in it, everything changes, everything shifts and moves. Do we have enough? We got enough to feed 2,000. What else we got? We've got five loaves. I'm done. And two fish. 
Watch this. If you read your Bible right, there are certain things that the Bible says will shock you. 200 denarii feeds 2,000. Five loaves and two fish don't hardly come close to feeding 2,000. And yet when he chooses what he'll do with the miracle, he throws the 200 denarii to the side and turns his attention to the five and the two. Why? 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 Because five and two equals seven. Whole. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing. Because that's the kind of life God wants you to live. It's not one where there's half of you and a little bit of you and three quarters of you. God designs it that before the miracle begins, he made you whole. He wants you whole. He wants you together. He wants you right. Because only when you're whole can God do the miracle. Only when you're, I know it's a little, but it's whole. I know it don't seem like much, but it's whole. And that's some of you in this room today. You say, God, it's not much, but God said, let me make you whole. Because if I make you whole, I can do a miracle through your life. I can give you the life you need to stound people around you. He said, give me the five and two. It's whole. It's whole. I always do miracles with a minimum of whole. Y'all missed that. Don't miss that. I do miracles with a minimum of whole. Some of y'all got more, but it's not whole. But some of you got some stuff in your life that's whole, and God uses the whole stuff to do the miracles. And he said, here's what we're going to do. He said, I have separated. I have now added. There it is. I have added a little boy with five loaves and two fish. Isn't it amazing how when they came out separated and they didn't have, God brought somebody into their life. He, they gave them the addition they needed to get what they didn't have. And that's why small groups matter in this church is because sometimes you come out of stuff and you don't know what's going on and you feel like everybody's turned their back on you. And then all of a sudden you'll come into a small group and God says, I know I separated you, but don't worry. Don't worry. If I separated, I'm going to add. And you'll sit down in a small group and all of a sudden somebody will start talking. I feel the anointing. Somebody will start ministering from their pain. And as they minister from their pain, it feeds you and helps you because that's what God does. He'll separate, then he adds. He adds. And he said, now the stage is set. Done. He said, this is what I want you to do. Watch this. You, couldn't, you can't make this up on small group Sunday. And the text says, and he set them in groups. He set them in groups. He said, I want you to know that if you're going to live this life right, you're going to have to live it with groups. So for all y'all that think it's just going to be you and Jesus, you have misunderstood this text because when God creates a life, separation, addition, rest in groups. Watch what he does. I'm done. He counts. He said, let's get them in groups of 50. I want you to really think what this looks like. Groups of 50, 5,000. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50. Y'all sit down. What is he teaching them? He's teaching them patience. 
He's teaching them that I'm coming if I'm counting. See, if you hear God counting, whether you are 17 or 49, please know your number is coming soon. But you got to be numbered in the group. That's why you got to be able to sit down because God is not going to come in your calamity. He's not going to come while you're screaming. He says, calm down. And when you calm down in a group, watch it. I'm coming and I'm counting because that's why when you see somebody else get blessed, you ought to go to praising God, shouting and hollering. You ought to go to running. Why? Because if God blessed them, he's 17. If God blessed them and I'm 23, guess what? I'm next. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing. I'm next. But that only happens in the context of being seated in the group. What are you missing? Because you're not having to sit down in the group. And then the last point, he says, separation, addition, rest. I brought you out, I took you up, I did the miracle, I have set you down, and now it's time to rest because you're about to live your life. Well, how do you know that, Pastor Josh? Because the text says when it started, it was a deserted place, a deserted place. But when he set them in groups, something odd happened. It says that they all sitting on green grass. Don't miss it. A deserted place. The whole environment shifted. A deserted place became a grassy place because God had given them a life. Oh, And God's not going to remove you from some stuff. He's not going to take you out of some stuff you want him to take you out of. But what he is going to do is, in the middle of your desert place, God's going to create a grassy place and people are going to start looking at you and they're going to say, how are you going through what you're going through, facing what you're facing, and you still sitting on grass? Y'all miss what I just told you. I just told you that God is about to transform your life. He's about to give you the life you've been looking for, but he's going to do it by giving you a grassy place. He's going to create a life for a life. Life for a life. Stand to your feet, everybody. Separation. Addition. And look at him now. They were crazy hungry, and now they're sitting calm, cool, and collected, waiting to get fed. And God says, here it is, boys. I have shown you a life. Now let me give you one. Well, how do you do it? The Bible says, and he took the bread. He took it. This bread is not just sustenance for others, it's your life because you are called to be an answer and to help somebody find the life that you have possessed. And he took it. That's where it always starts. You gotta give your life to get a life. And he took it, watch this, and then he blessed it. I'm thankful he took it but I'm shocked that he blessed what he took because there are some things about me that aren't worth blessing. He took it, he blessed it, watch this, and then he broke it. It almost seems strange to break it, 
because it looks like it's hurting. But then I realized the more pieces you are, the more people you feed. And sometimes brokenness is the greatest blessing because it increases your influence to feed somebody else with what God did through you. And then the last thing he did, he said, here it is. This is how you get a life. The Bible says he took it, he blessed it, he broke it, and then he gave it. We live in a generation. See, today, today, today is not one of them shouting days. I could preach this today if I wanted to. But I want you to live better. Because the tragedy in our generation is this. Is that we are the generation that knows how to give everything except ourselves. We give everything, money, resource, we, but we got to learn how to give us. You will never get a life until you're ready to give your life. Jesus said, if you lay it down, that's where you find it. And we're about to step into a season here of small groups that I pray for all your weariness. I want to let you know you survived. You made it through. The enemy thought he was going to kill you and take you out. But the truth is, God is about to give you a life that you've been waiting on. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to pray for two groups of people and be done. Mm, I feel the anointing. I want to talk to some people who need rest. You're weary. You've been fighting something for so long. Chaos for so long. A situation for so long. And you know you're not really living. You know you're just existing. And you know that God has something great after hearing this message. You know God has a life for you. But you say, Pastor Jess, I'm just weary. I'm tired. And I need a life that produces rest. On the count of three, just slip up your hand. I see people crying all across the room. Just look, you need, you need, come on, I just want to pray for you. I just want to pray for you. Come on, you've been through a lot in a little bit of time. Faced a lot, cried a lot, stressed a lot, worried a lot. That is not the life he promised you. That is not the life he called you. Jesus said, I have come that you would have life. And I'm talking to somebody in the middle of chaos. I'm talking to somebody in the middle of some pain, confusion. It seems like every time you turn around, you get hit with something brand new. And you say, God, this can't be living. This can't be living, God. This can't be living. Shoot their hands up everywhere. Nobody looking around. Come on, I'll give you five more seconds. You got some chaos. You need God to touch you today. Just slip up your hand. Pastor John, where you at? I want Pastor John just to sing a chorus for a second. I want to pray. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Everybody close your eyes. Listen, listen, listen real quick. Just don't say anything. Just listen. You hear that? There are sometimes in church, it gets too loud. And sometimes you just need peace. The loudness of the storm can only be fought by the peace of God. That passes all understanding. I feel that anointing in this room. Peace to your mind. Peace to your spirit. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak peace. Peace 
like a river. Let it flow. I feel the anointing. I feel the anointing. Peace like a river. Run into every person who's got a troubled mind and a tough situation and you're weary. Peace now in the name of Jesus. God's letting you know I'm going to sit you down in grassy places. I got this. I got this. I Let me separate. Let me add. But you're going to find yourself in rest. I prophesy that the rest of this year will be a year of rest. That the rest of this year will be a year of rest. These next couple months, I don't know who I'm talking to, but I can't get this out of my spirit. Rest is coming to somebody's life, your heart and your mind and your family. Somebody's family has been in chaos, but God's about to give you a life that's full of rest. You're about to live a life of rest and peace, not by might or by power, but by the name of Jesus Christ. I speak it over you now. Your children are going to come into rest. Oh, I felt that. Children are going to rest. Your children are going to come into rest. Your, ch- your body's going to come into rest. Your body, you've been fighting diseases and fighting. Your body's coming into rest. I feel that this is a life. This is the life that God is calling you to live, coming into rest in Jesus' name. Come on, lift your hands in the room. Pastor John, just minister. Sing something. Sing something. Come on, we're about to pray for you and let you go. But let peace flood like a river right now. Come on to the chaos, here comes rest. this way and we don't know that sometimes it's this way that you don't even know that right now there's somebody beside you that needs your touch more than you know they've been through some stuff some chaos but I want you to take 30 seconds and pray and when you pray pray that God adds what they need pray that God blesses what needs to be blessed are you ready Come on, begin to pray for them. I believe strength is being poured into people right now. Come on, minister one to another. Minister one to another. You don't know what they had to fight to get into this service. You don't know what they had to face coming here today. You don't know. You don't know. I know sometimes we shout and we dance and and it's all fine and good, but sometimes people are hurting and people walking through stuff and they just need the peace of God. The peace of God that passes all understanding. Come on, take about 10 more seconds. Minister to them. Minister. They may never be touched by the preacher today, but, but they need, they need a touch today. They need a touch. Come on, minister to each other. Come on. I know you might not think you can pray, but you are bringing strength and life are coming out. Strength and life. Come on, five more seconds. Hey, glory to God. Come on, I feel the burden lifting. I feel the burden lifting. 
I feel the chaos subsiding. I see people wiping tears. And I, guess what? It's okay to cry today in church. It's all right. I, nobody knows the chaos you've been through and the pain you've had to walk through the last few weeks and the last few months. But I feel rest in this room. I feel life coming back into you. Finally, you're going to do what you're called to do. And you're going to do it right this time because you got the strength. I declare your best days are ahead of you. Ministry is flowing from you. Rivers of living water from your belly. In the name of Jesus, I break open the well. I break it open now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now look up here at me. Let me tell you something. Pastor Joy is getting ready to come. I would be amiss in this room today if I taught you all that I taught you about getting a life and not invited somebody into eternal life. I know normally pastor does eyes closed, but let me tell you something. We're going to do eyes open today because I don't want anybody to leave this room and get a life here and not have one in eternity with him. And if you're in this room and you've not been living where you need to be living and you need to get your life right with God on the count of three, come on, you're about to step into an eternal life. I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three. If you need to give your life to Jesus, hands are going up. Hands are going up. Come on with our eyes open. No fear. There's no shame now. There's no shame, no condemnation. I want you to put your hand on your heart. We're going to pray a prayer. And there's no power in the prayer, only in the heart that believes it. And you're going to invite Jesus into our lives. Because how many know, if you get his life in your life, your life becomes the best life. Let's say it together. Say, Jesus, Jesus today, today I, give my life I give my life to you. To you. I, say, I'm sorry I say I'm sorry for my sin. For my sin. I, repent, I repent and I turn to you. Come live on the inside of me. Change me. Transform me. And I'll live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, if you got something out of today's message, come on, why don't you give Jesus a praise as Pastor Troy comes. If you would like to be part of what God is doing here at Calvary, you can give online at calvaryofl.com or you can use our app. We hope this message encouraged you to experience the Spirit, embrace the lost, and live the life. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you soon.